0: Last several weeks, we've been talking about the uh, series on parables. And last week, um, we studied parable on hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. And that we concluded that this parable is not just about the treasure box or expensive pearl, but the parable is about the grace of God, that he would think of sinners like us as a treasure and pearl for him to seek and to die for. To review last week, and we understand clearly uh, what the Bible is saying about the meaning of some of those key words. We said in the uh, uh, Proverbs, parable of hidden treasure and in a pearl, uh, it talks about the treasure, and this treasure, a conventional thinking has been always, it's about the box, the treasure box, the something that we all been searching for, perhaps due to the fact that, you know, we've been seeking treasure box all our lives, something good, you know, and uh, movies talks about treasure box all the time. But biblical meaning, it's very different that we just studied. That, Our God considers us, the sinner, the treasure. And the field, we think about field as some open, wide open field, the metal that we can play on do something. But Bible is very clear, very, very clear. A few verses before this, the field is the earth. A man wondering, maybe perhaps the man who's looking for that hidden treasure must be us. We've got to go look for that treasure, a merchant who is a trading businessman must be going looking for that treasure box, that pearl. That's not the biblical meaning is that the man and a merchant represents Christ himself. He is the one going around seeking and looking for that treasure which is us. It makes total sense because that is Grace of God. Coin. Today's parable is on lost sheep and lost coin. So let's take a look at the Bible verse once again. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep, until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Verse 7, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 a righteous persons who do not need to repent. The conventional interpretation is usually based on our preconceived idea as to what those key words stands for. Sheep, something innocent, pure. Woman, just nice, fragile woman. Coin, something valuable and expensive, something you can buy with. The question really is: who do sheep and coin really represent in this parable? Now, before we can talk about parable, in overall sense, let's study a little bit about the culture. Let's study why Jesus speaks lots of his teachings, if not most of his teaching, through parable rather than directly. Well, if you look at Jesus, a uh, Jewish culture back in the biblical times, things are quite different than the way the way we think here in America. When you say, for example, uh, you did a great job, our ex- we expect response such as "thank you." In British culture, even though we all speak English, they're quite different. When you say you did a great job, if you say Thank you, that kind of sounds strange. You say, Not at all. I didn't quite say it with the British accent, Not at all. You know, something like that. It reflects somewhat of the humble heart. In Korean culture, there are many Koreans here, they're similar to British. It translates more like, Nah, it's nothing. You do something great, you did a great job, this, Nah, it's nothing. When someone compliments by saying, "I hear that you bought a big house," congratulations. We here respond, "Thank you. I'm going to have to invite you over." Yet, in some culture, that's considered arrogant and prideful. Instead, they say, "Oh, it's nothing. It's just a small house." But you know what? You know what it really means? Even though they're saying, oh, it's nothing small house, what they're really saying is thank you for acknowledging. Also, it implies thank you for caring. That's what it really means. But they say it differently. In our country, United States, the language and the culture, we tend to be direct, right to the point. But other cultures, the words try to convey the humble, attitude of the heart. Parables are also meant to communicate a message. In Jewish culture of the biblical times, ideas and messages are conveyed in words that depict pictures. In other words, in their culture, things were explained not in terms of statistics, or definitions, as we do in English-speaking culture, they explain their thoughts with words in a picture format. Now, some of you here Koreans can really relate to this because Koreans like to express their thoughts in mind through words that convey emotions dangerous. The words, most of the words contain emotions. For example, how many words do we have for rain in the United States? You've got rain, you've got shower, you've got drizzle. Anything else? Storm and hurricane don't count. They're different categories. That doesn't count. <laughs> you basically have a three. In Korean language they have over 60 different words for rain. They're all attached to emotions and feelings with the condition of that type, particular type of rain. And because of that, the words that describe the emotion of the rains are often used in poems and songs, even the songs of today. You wanna to hear a few out of 60? Karangbi, Pusselbi, Pusselbi, Angibi, Itodoki, Karobbi, Sambi, Chambi, Numbi, Tambi, Mappi, Pambi, Chambi, Sonagi, Porampi, Totoki, Karobbi, Kirumbi, Bombi, Yerumbi, to name a few. Out of 60, they all have emotional attachments. English, we got only three rain, shower, drudge, or but has no emotional value to it. Just the factual description. In this parable of lost sheep, who was Jesus responding to? That's very important. You can't just look at this parable and say, well, this is what it means. You have to look at why and how Jesus is saying this. He was simply, basically responding to someone or some people. He was responding to Pharisees who had a problem with what Jesus was doing. And What was Jesus doing? He simply ate with the sinners. Sinners. He simply ate with sinners. Now that's people like us. Now Pharisees had a problem with that. Now let's take a look at that particular Bible verse, that, which caused Jesus to respond. And so look, verse 1 of the 15. Now the tax collector and sinners were all gathered around to hear him, to listen to Jesus' teaching. Verse 2. But the Pharisees and the teacher of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They had a problem with this. It's a cultural thing that we have hard time understanding. Why is that a problem? Now notice the Pharisees did not have any problem with Jesus teaching to the sinners. They did not condemn him for teaching but they thought it was inconsistent with the dignity of the someone who is so knowledgeable, in scripture, to eat with them. That is because in that culture, at that time, they had this social class system. The highest was the priests. They know it all. And then there was Levites. And then was the rest, the sinners, Israelites. Now for us Americans, we have been raised to believe that everybody is equal perhaps only for about 100 years. For example, Jews were not allowed to associate with Samaritan, for example. In England, they too had a social class system. In Korea, they have something similar, yangban and sangban. Elites and laborers, or you want to call it aristocrat versus pagan pagans. And they were not even allowed to marry up or marry down between the classes. They had to stay with the class. Same with British. Same with America. Several hundred years, no, not several. During the slavery days. Now, Jesus had a challenge. He had a challenge. He had to respond with the right, proper challenge. He had to respond to this arrogant, prideful, and grumbling—a uh, grumbling Pharisees who believe they know it all, who believe they are above all others. They're so used to judging others, and therefore they didn't feel they need to repent. At the same time, Jesus knew that other people, what. Pharisees will call the sinners like text collectors sinners or they're listening to what Jesus has about to say. The, at the same about grace in His response. Because Jesus said, and God said that I will speak in parable to those who are negative. Psalm 78, verse 2 said, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings and negativity from of all. I will respond with the parables. In Matthew 13, 34, 35, Jesus repeats it. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. This, why did he do that? This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. What is the foundation? What is that thing that is hidden from the foundation of the world? The treasure that's hidden since the foundation of the world it's God's amazing grace. All the parables you must look at it with the lens in God's grace. That overarching message of all the parable is about grace. And he's trying to explain that in a picture format. That's the only way to understand it for those people with that culture. And this is a way in which we can apply in our daily lives. And by saying in parables, and even though Jesus was responding specifically to the accusation made by Pharisees, the message remains timeless despite cultural time and the changes that we face. So in this case, a parable of lost sheep, the key words are sheep. In other words, who do sheep represent? Who are that 99 and who are that one sheep? Now contrary to what you may think, who do sheep represent in parable? The sheep are the ones who, according to the scripture, ones who think they are righteous. They are self-claimed, self-righteous. They are the ones who feels they don't need to repent. They are the ones who think they are above all others. They are in a high class system. And sinners. Now, conventional thinking is to think that, that 100 sheep, because when we think about a sheep, we think about calm, gentle, innocent, God loving believers. That's what we think of it when you think of that 100, or when we think of that 99, that innocent people, God-loving people like us are lost, then we better go after them. Yes, that's true too. But in biblical sense, that 100 or 99 ships are us. And yet, if you apply the biblical concept in terms of grace, us being what? Nice guys? Believers? No, the arrogant people, the prideful people—that's right—who like to step on people, other people, who are above all other people. You see, the ninety-nine or the hundred ships are not necessarily good guys, even though the picture sounds like nice guys, the ship innocent. These are the people who are above others, who think they are above or even lost, they are the people who think they are righteous. Now you know that nobody is righteous apart from Christ. Romans 3, 10, 11 says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one there is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. We will never be righteous until we are once lost and found with God's grace. Verse seven gives that clear conclusion of all. it says, over one sinner who repents. Therefore, that 99 are not necessarily good old believers. They are the sinners like us. They are the people who are so prideful like us. They are the people who think they're above others like us. They are the people who think they don't need to repent. Many of us like that. When self-claimed righteous person like us, Wants to be justified. We can only be justified by God to be justified, to be righteous, only through the saving grace of Jesus. And that's when heaven rejoices. And this hidden truth of the foundation of the world is what Jesus is trying to picture through this parable. That God the shepherd will come to sinners to save. Now, lost coin is similar. It says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one, does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I'll tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Both parables talks about sinner that repents. Therefore, the sinner, the one repented. Therefore, the rest of the sheep are sinners. They are not all good, wonderful, innocent, God loving people only. They are the sinners. Those who may know God or may not know God, they're all inclusive of that. In the parable of lost coins, the analogy is the same as the first parable. In the case of lost sheep, it helps men to understand the picture because men tend to, tends the uh, outdoor work and tense the sheep. In the case of lost coin, perhaps Jesus is trying to be more relational to woman to understand the meaning of it. You see, brides at that time, they want this jewelry, that jewelry that has the 10 Silver coins attached to it, as you see in the picture. I actually counted that look, the coins that's on her forehead exactly ten. And you may think, well, if you lose one, and I speak, to it, I still have nine. Well, it's part of a jewelry. If it's supposed to have a ten to complete, you lose one, you lose the true value of the jewelry, the whole thing, the entire thing. And because that, that jewelry has to have a 10 coins attached to it, if you lose one, this woman is going to go after that to make it whole again, to make jewelry whole again. In both parables, Jesus is a painting a pictures that are contrary to what we have led to believe. Like Pharisee, thought of themselves as being the believers of God, the good guys, and the rest of the people as sinners, like that tax collector, like us. And Jesus is saying, you think you're righteous? Saying to the Pharisees, you think you're righteous? You think you know God, but you don't know. However, I am still in love with you. I want you to come to me. It will be better that you are lost so that I can find you. And when you are found, the heaven will rejoice. That's grace. This parable is comforting to us because through this parable, we see that God in heaven is not just interested in believers, but also those who do not know him. How do we apply this to our daily lives? We carry many things in life. Let's say 100 of those things that are so important to us. this parable can also suggest, are you willing to let go of the 99 things that are so important to you? That you feel that, that those things that are so important to you are the righteous ones. Are you willing to let go of the 99 and follow one thing that places God? That's the application for us that is timeless ago. Two Saturdays ago two Saturdays ago, I experienced the heart of someone who has the heart for just one Lordship, ship, but the entire ninety nine ship. He was hoping that at least one of that 100 would be lost in God's grace. So this one sheep kept be found. I went to the Kensington Ministry, the table to visit. They were handing out the food for those addicts. Around 10 o'clock in the morning, They were folding the tables. They were finished. Everybody gone. As they're giving the food, they line up about 20 to 30 at a time, starting from 7 o'clock, 8, 9, 10. For three hours, they fed close to 250, 300 people. And Pastor Ben would, every 20 minutes, as there were 20, 30 people lined up at a given time, he would preach for about a minute or two in loud voice in the streets. Then he would pray for them in a loud voice in the streets. And I watched 20, 30 people in, in the waiting for their food. They're all bowing their heads and praying with him and he would do that every 20, 30 minutes to make sure everyone is prayed over. Around 10 o'clock, when we were folding the table, Pastor Ben looked at me and said, I can do this full time. It really, really spoke to me. He and his volunteers, loved all 100, all 200, all those who stood in line before the table to receive food. And yet he was looking for one, one to repent, to be lost in God's grace so this person, this sheep can be found. Our mission, but of helping those who are in need. That's what this is about. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your.